Welcome to Building a Better World, a podcast that investigates the intersection of the metaverse and how we can apply these technologies to improve people's real lives and enhance humanity. The metaverse is more than a web of networks. It is an unfathomable life-shaping tool. And we, our friends, are here to dive headfirst into the way these technologies can improve our life and the world around us. I'm your host, Rish Lotlakar. Get ready to discover how we can build a better world in three, two, one. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Luca DeGilio. Luca, welcome. Hi, hi Rich, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, excited to have you. Luca is the founder of Trips Community, a platform that incorporates Web3 into the travel industry. And he's CEO of Adormo, a Web3 travel consultancy. And as an avid traveler and early adopter of Bitcoin, he's an enthusiast of both. He's also a regular contributor to conferences and all things digital and travel and hosts the podcast Web3 and Travel. Luca, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'd love to start by hearing a bit more about your career and what led you to founding the TRIPS community. All right. So basically, I am a traveler. I always wanted to travel. And I started traveling very early in my 20s. I just went around Europe, worked around Europe, hitchhiked a lot all over Europe. And then I had a couple of years where I, I was working for a company as a sales uh, sales manager, traveling around the world this time, so getting out of Europe. And then when I was 28, I kind of decided to to travel more. So I, I left my job and I went for uh, one year in Australia, uh, again, traveling around, backpacking, stuff like this, which ended up being seven months in Australia and four months in Asia. And I remember that I was looking for something exotic and really far from Europe in Australia, which I didn't find. Didn't find because Australia is very European, and I found that in uh, in in Bali, in uh, in Thailand, etc. Once I was traveling in Asia, I realized that the budget to to travel wasn't much, so I, I could travel all all time, full time, without a lot of money. And that was the two thousand two thousand, right? The dot com pre.com bubble thing. So everybody was talking about the internet. And I found myself, I had this travel blog. So it wasn't actually called blog at the time. It was just writing stuff online. And somebody was helping me publishing it because I couldn't do, you know, at the time you had to know HTML to publish stuff, web one, read only. So very few people were writing. Mm-hmm. And then this, this person left and, and I found myself in a, in a coffee shop, in an internet cafe in, in Sydney. Uh, where you could stay as long as you wanted with two dollars. So I start. I, I found a way to publish stuff online by learning this difficult HTML, which turned out to be very easy. And and that's when I started getting this superpower of writing stuff on this new medium where most people were not able to write on. Right, and that was a revelation because I realized, you see, it seemed like a mountain to learn programming. Mm-hmm. HTML and it actually was a little bump on the road and I passed this bump on the road and I was in the 1% or 5% of maybe 1% of world population who could actually 
write on this new thing. And that changed everything for me because my blog became famous. The, the Italian radio called me. So it gave me a bit of notoriety. And when I went back to Italy, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to an office, right? Uh, that was the plan. But then I said, no, I can earn a bit of money and keep traveling. I wanted to travel full time. And I had this idea because in the 90s, I traveled in Eastern Europe a lot. Right? After the, the, the Berlin Wall fell, I traveled extensively to, to Eastern Europe. And I remember that when I, I arrived in the Prague Central Station, there were always some ladies coming with pictures and showing me apartments, which I could rent. Mm-hmm. And I did rent them for a few times. And it was a good deal. And I told myself, I said, I told myself, I should put those apartments online. In Australia, I had purchased a digital camera. There was one of the first cameras called uh, Sony Mavica with a floppy disk as a memory. So it had like, I don't know, how much of a floppy disk in memory? 500K? I mean, nothing. Like now, yeah. But, you know, I had the superpower of writing uh, on this new medium called the internet. And I had another, uh, like, I had a secret weapon. I could actually take pictures and publish them. Wow. At the time, yeah. you had to, with a camera, you had to develop the film, print the, print the pictures, and then scan them. But I had this super thing, very expensive, where, where I could take pictures. Ugly and small <laughs> pictures, but pictures, digital pictures. And so I had this idea to put the, these, ladies, these ladies' apartments online. I, I went to the railway station. I you know, I pretended I was a travel agency with a fake business business card. And I told them, I'm a travel agency in Italy. I want to send you customers. I need to come to your apartment, take pictures. You tell me your price. I put some commission on top. I send your customers. And so you don't have to spend your day in the railway station to get your customers. Because there was early in the morning, late at night, whenever the train would come from Vienna or or or, or, or Italy or whatever, they were there, right? So they said, okay, why not? It was like, no, win-win situation. So I did this website in 2001 with six apartments and it started working immediately. I started getting people asking me to, to, to book the apartments and there was no PayPal. There was one of the ladies didn't even have email, so I had to do it by SMS, but it worked. So I had a business. I was making some money with the commissions. And then I replicated this in Budapest and then in Krakow and other cities in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. To make the, the, the story short, I basically invented the Airbnb model seven years before Airbnb, but as a lifestyle business. So mm-hmm. I was making a, enough money to travel full-time all over the world. And that was my goal. It didn't even cross my mind that to make a startup and make it big, right? Mm-hmm. And that gave me easily 10 years of full-time travel around the world. Wow, how many cities were you doing this in? And like in terms oh, of, I, you know, I six or seven cities, and when I reached the last city, it became hard to expand because competition was coming. Yeah, so I, I stopped about about seven cities, and that was enough for me to travel. So you have to imagine that I was doing this as a part time thing because most of the time I was traveling, right? So yeah, for many years I was traveling, and then one day Airbnb came on the market and they basically destroyed my business completely and I had no no hope of course to compete so that changed my life again but you know after all those years I, I couldn't really have any bad feelings about anything I was so lucky and so privileged that I you know whatever happened to me say okay I probably deserve that so I took it I didn't take it too badly I launched a startup to help people actually get bookings from Airbnb and booking.com etc 
I got into an incubator uh, and moved to Sofia in Bulgaria. But then I realized after a few years that um, this kind of work, helping people being on those platforms, was actually helping them kind of being exploited by those platforms. Mm-hmm. Because you could make a lot of money as a host at the beginning. And then I saw that the margins were getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Why the commissions got higher and higher, right? So I kind of got into a crisis. It's like, okay, I'm making a bit of money with this, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I want to do something different. And then I discovered, in the meantime, I discovered Bitcoin in 2013. And I tried to get paid in Bitcoin. And let me tell you this story because it's interesting. 2014, I put hundreds of apartments on, on a map. Uh, I think it's called CoinMap, mm-hmm. where you can see businesses accepting Bitcoin. And I didn't get any requests for paying. That was like when Bitcoin had gone very high to $1,000 and then it crashed um, and people were kind of confused. And then slowly people started asking to book. But at that moment, I was trying to open. I opened a company for the same startup in London and I was desperately trying to open a bank account. Mm-hmm. And no no one would touch us. Nobody, nobody wanted to open a bank account with us because we were a startup, right? Startups are kind of dangerous. I don't know what. So one co- one bank said, okay, we're going to open the bank account for you, mm-hmm. but you have to remove Bitcoin from your website. Mm-hmm. I said, why? Well, because Bitcoin is dangerous. That bank, and I swear, was Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> wow. Which is dead now, <laughs> and Bitcoin is alive, all right? And the, the worst thing is that when I removed Bitcoin from the website, I started getting so many requests to pay in Bitcoin for the apartment. And that would like be five Bitcoin for for a week and i would have kept one as a commission something like that mm-hmm. i would have made so much money with that but again when you are in crypto you don't really regret too much things happen all the time so yeah and after that i discovered ethereum and the concept of daos so the centralized autonomous organizations which means we can do some platform like airbnb or like the one i did before but without the profit for the company as a driver, but with the profit for the community as a driver. Like, we're going to do this together. Everybody's going to earn money. And the platform, so the, the the software, is not going to be kind of predatory, trying to get as much money as possible for the shareholders. It's going to try to be tr- like as little impactful as possible in terms of price. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the internet itself. It's, it's a great tool, but we don't uh, we don't pay for the internet a lot. Yeah, the internet is kind of free. Yeah, we pay a bit for the services, a few dollars per month. But the internet is the internet itself is not a company trying to maximize the money. Those were the telecoms, you know. So if the telecoms were not basically killed by the internet in in their business model today, we would be paying this call fifty dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. If if it's even possible to have this kind of quality, so the same concept applies to platforms, in, in specifically booking platforms. So I launched I launched Trips Community with this idea in mind in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out to be a bit early or a lot early because for a few years there was basically no scalability in blockchains. We partnered with uh, with a, a Silicon Valley company, Origin Protocol. They did the software to do bookings and other things. It was a marketplace, and we did the you know we, we tried to make uh, get the hosts and the guests. Mm-hmm. But then Ethereum started being expensive. Uh, one transaction will be $5 and that, that completely killed the, the model. 
Then the years passed and we got scalability today, mm -hmm. but we still don't have adoption of wallets because we haven't solved this problem. Wallets yeah. are difficult. And even if you make the extra effort to learn, they are dangerous. And we've seen what happened with the NFTs, uh, like the, you know, the board ape yacht club people who lost, you know, they get fished all the time and stuff. So in the last couple of years, we decided, okay, let's forget the, the, the booking platform. This is too much. This is going to be uh, the end of the process, not the beginning. Mm -hmm. Let's try to see if we can build any protocols. But actually, we decided to experiment. Say, okay, let's, you know, let's admit it. It's early. What can we do? Let's try it. Let's see what happens. And mm -hmm. we tried a few things, like we did the first NFT booking uh, in the world. So a villa in Ibiza, somebody bought the NFT, which mm -hmm. represented a week in the villa, and they went to stay. And then we did the first hotel booking in the world, in Venice. Uh, and a few other things, like some PFPs for the travel industry. Uh, I don't know if, if your audience is, is very web three crypto. Yes. Uh, but okay, great. So we did like a travel, sorry, a, a loot NFT project with traveler loot. So with this NFT is black with a text describing a traveler personality and stuff like this. So we've been playing with that. And then the last thing we did was to organize the first uh, Web3 travel conference last year in Porto, Portugal. Okay. And the next one is going to be this year in, uh, in Barcelona on the 15th of May. So this is getting the industry a bit together. And I say industry when maybe there was no industry two years ago, but now there is a small industry from some startups trying to apply mm -hmm. Web3 technologies to the travel industry. Yeah. And there we are. So that that's kind of the short version of the journey. That is uh, an exciting journey there of learning and uh, different uh, iterations and experimentations. Uh, it sounds like you've innovated in a few different areas from Airbnb to, to Web3 to, to creating ways for people to, to benefit from the communities that are being formed on the travel space. So and doing this conference and, and everything. So I'm, I'm very excited about Web3 and its applications to travel in general. So it's great to, to be able to hear some of the history of, of kind of what gave you the insights you know, particularly as you were kind of building these different businesses and models, what do you think is the, you know, the biggest insight uh, or benefit that a user has as they approach travel through the perspective of Web3? Like what, you know, I think you kind of alluded to it, but if you were going to go through what are the, you know, if I'm a if I'm a customer and I'm looking at a centralized travel model versus a Web3 model, what are what are the things that I would benefit from from going through a Web3 provider? So first of all, today there's not much. It's very experimental. People are trying things. Uh, so yeah. today when I travel, I I use Web2 companies and I'm grateful they exist. But the direction seems to be uh, let me explain it this way. So you have uh, the real world, and then you have the internet on top of it, in a way, right? And on top of the internet, you have blockchain. Blockchain is part of the internet. It's the part of the internet which makes ownership possible. So you probably heard this before, and you, you, your audience too, but let, let's revisit it. So we have Web1, when 
people could only most people would only read. Web two is the web of today where people are reading and writing, and web three is the the web which are we are getting into. It's reading, writing, and owning. You run a company where you can own land, uh, digital land. This is real ownership because the NFT I get from Superworld, nobody can take it away from me. So that wasn't possible before. And everything we do in Web2, there's no ownership. Like your Airbnb account, your Instagram account, your YouTube account, the followers attached to them are not yours, not mine. Because tomorrow I can wake up and my Airbnb account is gone and my reviews are gone. Uh, very much like feudal Europe, right? When people would actually work the land, they would, you know, raise their family there, but the land be- belonged to the king. And the king could come and say, well, you you just leave. That's feudalism. And then people started leaving for a new continent called America, where somebody said this, someone decided we don't want kings here. The king is the is the law. The law says private property is cannot be it does private property you know, the private property concept uh total private property not even the president can come to you and say you give me that land so what we are seeing the internet today from web 2 to web 3 is the same thing we are going from a feudal internet medieval internet where there's a few kings and those kings are those big platforms and we work on their land okay to web 3 where we are going to be owners there's the rule of law, and the rule of law is expressed in, for instance, smart contracts. So that's the general that thing, account? right? So yeah, how does it apply on on travel specifically? Well, it's a bit, you know, of course we have many kind of insights, uh, but we don't really know, right? Is is this part of the of the evolution which you can call skeuomorphic? You 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 know how you think to do things today, you try them to do better on this new platform. And it's like, uh, I'm probably giving very basic concepts you've heard a million times, but uh, it's very good to have them clear in the mind. It's like when we invented electricity, the first lamps, they were made in the shape of candles. This is skeuomorphic design. Because we couldn't imagine another thing. That was the first thing which came to mind. Or when we invented concrete or reinforced concrete, we kept building houses with columns, like Greek columns. Why? Well, because before concrete, you need the columns to to support the structure. And only later we realized, well, we can do skyscrapers. We don't need, you know, can only do houses with columns. We can do skyscrapers. But who could even guess or imagine a skyscraper the same day when the concrete was invented or, or discovered? So having said that, that, yeah, we have a few ideas of what's going to happen in travel. And one main thing is we're going to replace companies with protocols, meaning the same services which today are provided by these big corporations, let's say Airbnb, because that's where I come from, are going to be provided by the internet itself. Mm-hmm. Like we won't need a, a company to manage the search of the um, search of the listings, uh, the, the uploading the listings, uh, making the bookings. Everything is going to be managed by kind of DApps, right? Like Uniswap, the centralized apps with smart contracts and because the centralized technologies tend to do that they tend to remove the human intervention and we've seen it and i mentioned this before when we went from telecoms where i come from a time where 
to call abroad, you would spend a few dollars a minute because the business of travel of um, telecoms was to make money on your calls, right? Then the internet came along and said, no, no, data is free. Data can travel for free. And now we're calling, you know, like this is like a TV 20, 30 years ago, and it's free. I mean, okay, we probably pay Zoom a little bit, but, and that's the same thing I expect to happen in travel. We are doing something incredibly incredible today. We are paying easily $100, $200 in commission to Booking.com for one booking. And we're going to look back and say, you know, to our nephews, and they're going to say, "Are you? did you really pay $100 for a booking? I'm paying nothing, right? And then we're going to try to explain, yeah, because there was this company who helped. Like before, there was the lady on the telephone, you know, what do you call it in English when you, the lady was putting the, the, the operator manual? You had to pay those people, right? So again, replacing companies with protocols is the, the basic assumption, which will have a cascade effect on a lot of things. Uh, prices, for instance, I mean, you remove 10, 15, 20% of commissions cheaper. Innovation, because today this model, the Web2 model, is basically a oligopoly with a few big companies. It tends to concentrate power in a few hands. So nobody's really innovating. I mean, Booking.com was like five years ago. I mean, what changed, you know, some CSS or... Yeah, of course, I don't want to believe what they did. It's an amazing software, an amazing product. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. But we haven't, seen real, we haven't seen real innovation because the next step of innovation goes against the business model. Yeah. So we will see a lot of innovation. Sure. Yeah, I'm just curious if if there's ideas. As I mean, I know it's early. Just curious from your perspective, what do you think? I mean, I think I understand. You know, lower transaction fees and innovation in general. But anything specific that you're excited about as it comes to that innovation in travel? I'll give you an example. So in in Superworld. You know, travel is very important to us as well. And we want to add immersive technology to viewing places in the world. So if you want to go to the Taj Mahal before you buy tickets, maybe you can go to Superworld and view that Taj Mahal tour and experience and understand what the different options are and, you know, be able to then buy a ticket to go and visit. So, I mean, I think the immersive tech and Web3 kind of allow you to engage with places before you go and maybe even after you go or while you're there. So I'm just curious, like, you know, building on that or on on other things that, you know, we haven't thought about, what do you think is the biggest kind of innovations? One is the composability of the open protocols, meaning that today in Web2, if you want to build, uh, let's say, a new OTA, a new Booking.com, new, a new Airbnb, you have to start from scratch and collect, you know, try to convince everybody to come on your platform, which is basically impossible. In Web3, maybe we've seen the first concrete step about that in the Lens protocol. I don't know if you're familiar with this social network. Because your account is an NFT, and your listings are NFTs on this NFT, and your reviews are reviews on the listings on the NFT, on the account NFT. Anybody can come and say, "Okay, do you want to be part of my my platform?" And all you have to do is to connect your wallet and, and sign a, sign a transaction, mm-hmm. and you're in. You don't have to start over. And you bring in your listings and your reviews. 
in a minute, right? Like today, if you have a new OTA, there's no reviews, they don't have critical mass, it's really hard. So as we have we seen in DeFi, DeFi, everybody can launch a Uniswap clone or something which is a mix of Uniswap and Aave, or it's gonna be very, very fast. People will experiment very quickly. So we will see new things which we can't even imagine in today's uh, Web2. That's general. Now, more specifically, I'm very excited about NFTs as bookings. Mm -hmm. So today, when you make a booking with a hotel directly or through an OTA, you are actually making a contract. So you make an agreement that you're going to stay there at that price. Maybe you paid something in advance. Maybe you left your credit card, whatever. Then if you cancel, you break the contract and the hotel is to find somebody else to do a similar contract. And that works so far. Again, this is probably skeuomorphic because the internet could, could, could do more than that, but we're mm -hmm. still going. It's legacy thinking, maybe. NFTs offer a new perspective, mm -hmm. which is the, the booking is not a contract, is a digital asset. Mm -hmm. I buy from you three nights in specific dates and I pay them. And now those, those three nights belong to me and they are NFTs. And I'll do what they want with them. I can come and spend them or I can sell them, or I can give it to somebody else. So you as a hotel sold the three nights, and you will get the money for sure. It's not a, a refundable one, right? Yeah. Me, well, I can resell it if I can't come. Maybe I can sell it for less, maybe for more. Maybe I'm even a speculator. I'm going to buy all your nights from 2025. If you give me a good price, I'm going to try to sell them. And if I'm a bad speculator, I lose money. Otherwise, I make money but I bring a lot of liquidity on the market. So we make, NFTs can make these bookings, these nights, I'm sorry, liquid and tradable. And this can change a lot, lots of dynamics in good and bad ways. I, I, I hope mostly in good ways. Uh, I, it seems to me a superior uh, interpretation of what a booking is rather than a contract. And there's already a few startups playing with that. I say playing, I mean, they're working hard, but like experimenting, trying to find the, the, the right measure of this. And I'm pretty convinced that it's going to be a thing, especially when we reach critical mass. And then when it gets easy to sell your, your NFTs representing those nights. So this one is today, but I'm open, changing my mind. I change my mind often. It's today the most exciting because it's pretty simple mm -hmm. and it, it allows to do something which wasn't possible before. So it's this is not skeuomorphic. This is changing the paradigm of what a booking is. And then a few other things, you know, like uh, you, you probably got some airdrops in the last years, and that was kind of a use by using platforms like protocols, you signaled so that the that the blockchain remember that you have this kind of interest or knowledge. And so somebody who came after airdropped you some tokens to get you involved. So the kind of new kind of marketing. So I'm, I'm excited for when I'm going to have in my OpenSea collection, 50 bookings in 50 hotels, and then some hotels going to start sending me free nights or free breakfast or their tokens, etc. So the fidelization and the, the marketing about travel is probably going to be a thing. Again, this is also a much more, you know, much better way because it's internet native. Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that the again representing my history in travel in this way is kind of automatic and is open for everyone to see and 
is pro- can be done programmatically by by the the hotels. While on Web two, everything is in a database, and it depends on the access which people are giving, and then so all the APIs, everything's defragmented. So that's another thing. But I think we haven't seen, we haven't yet imagined what's going to happen in travel with Web three because it's a bit too early. We're gonna sur- we're gonna get more more surprises, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think those are really both great uh, use cases. I, I'm excited about loyalty programs being more transportable um, between providers as well, and to be able to kind of have that, you know, potential ownership of of that, you know, travel identity that you have, potentially even make that an asset um, that you can sell. You build up an identity. It hundred percent. I have a, a lens profile, and I have used it a little bit because it's new. Yeah. And people are trying to buy it from me on OpenSea already. And this is just something, you know, maybe they're offering a hundred dollars at the moment. Imagine having a travel, like a profile, yeah, which is is bringing in thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars in free, in perks every year. You're gonna sell it very expensive, right? And and the market in this way optimizes because it goes to the most interested person, right? Yeah. So in a way, if you are a hotel trying to reach the people you want to reach, the person who paid more for it will probably be more interesting, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to revolutionize how we think about the ways to get to know the world around us, whether it's taking a trip or you know, again, uh, being able to trade in a digital asset that enables you to to take the trip. <laughs> so, right. Well, it's happening already, isn't it? We are getting airdrops worth tens, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I'm sure some people are traveling already thanks to that money. I can't imagine in the future when, when this picks up in the travel industry, you know, it's very hard to imagine. Yeah. What do you think are some of the ways that this, you know, these changes could affect how web two companies react? I mean, you know, I think we see it in in centralized de- versus decentralized models across other industries. What's going to happen there? Do you think web two travel companies are going to have to adopt these new models to stay competitive? Or do you think that there are certain people who are going to opt to just stay on the web too, for whatever reason? Uh, I Yeah, I think it's going to be very mixed. There are, you know, 20 years from now, probably some people will still book as they book today. But mm-hmm. in general, the trend is towards these systems we talked about. And how would they react? Well, for instance, I've seen how Booking.com reacted to Web2. Mm-hmm. They adapted pretty well to the Web2 technology, which was simply, you know, from the point of view of an OTA, simply easier to, to interact with the user. But then Airbnb opened the market to non-hotels. And Booking was late on that. And they when they reacted for a couple of years, it was really bad. But today, they are very good. So Booking successfully migrated from web one to web two mm-hmm. uh, airbnb was born in web two uh, how will they migrate to web three that's a bit different because web three changes the business model mm-hmm. web three says 
allows for people to coordinate around building systems like this without needing to create a company. You rather create a DAO. And the system will make money, profit, but the profit is, is paid to everybody, including the guests and the hosts. Now, the model in Web2 for platforms, like booking platforms, is a bit broken in the sense that you have the shareholders of these companies who are defended by the law, basically. They have to make as much money as possible for the shareholders. The stakeholders, the guests and the, and the hosts, and let's talk about Airbnb, they are treated like they are not that important, uh, or at least they don't have a voice. And that's where the model breaks a little bit, because these platforms, imagine if every host in Airbnb left, that would be like some MySQL database running empty right? Like a box running empty. Hosts are part of Airbnb. They are Airbnb. Yeah. And guests are Airbnb because guests bring the money. So marketplaces like this, uh, it seems to me that more distributed model where everybody's a shareholder, basically, mm -hmm. is more fair. So what's going to happen when you can get a booking for the same price or a cheaper price in you know and maybe even get some ownership of the same platform you're using mm -hmm. right uh, so when, when the quality of these new systems will be as good as as the old systems what keeps you in booking now today i go to booking and i become genius level three that's it i spend thousands or ten thousand dollars all i have to show for it is genius tree with some discounts right which makes sense if you don't know what's happening in Web3. Because in Web3, we came to expect that if I use a platform, you're going to send me tokens, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be part of this platform. And I'm going to be able to vote on stuff, right? Now it's very clunky and, you know, it's, it's not really something we can be proud of most of the times. But I want to be part of a platform I'm using. So in the future, in travel, when I spend money in, in a booking, for instance, I sorry, I'm staying on the booking thing, but this is my kind of my word, right? Yeah. When I, I stay in a hotel, I want an NFT. I'm not going to leave empty-handed. You give me a pop or give me something. Yeah. Right? So if I go through a platform which doesn't give, and give them, I won't go. Now, you could say Booking is going to give NFTs, uh, like the pop. Of course, will they give me tokens, uh, which give me ownership of the company? Well, they can't really do that because their, their duty is towards shareholders, not stakeholders. Yeah, got it. Now, yeah. how, how can they adapt? Well, the, the problem is, like, booking is charging, you know, 18%. Mm -hmm. Okay, adapt to Web3, you have to charge 1% or 0.3% 0 .3 like Uniswap or, okay, 2.5% like OpenSea. Mm -hmm. The take rate that is, like, the commission charged by Web3 platforms is very low. The, the highest is OpenSea, 25 which is, like, oh, it's too much. OpenSea is charging too much. And, and other competitors were able to bring it to zero, right? OpenSea now is not even charging commissions for a while. Why? Because the asset, which is the listing, in our case, the NFT on OpenSea, is not in OpenSea servers. It's in our wallets. We can vote with our wallets. We can leave OpenSea and go to Blur or whatever, right? Yeah. Today, I can't leave Airbnb. I lose all my reviews. I can't leave Booking. I lose all my reviews. I, I worked 10 years for them, right? So if tomorrow I'm leaving a platform and my reviews come with me, 
platform loses power over me, right? Yeah. Now, of course, I'm painting a very simplified uh, picture here, but you know, it's the, the trend seems to be in that direction. If if people have an option, it seems to me that the, this option, the Web three option, is is better. Yeah, definitely more, you know, mobility and more power for the stakeholders. Yeah. Whether they're in your example, hosts or guests or travelers, etc. Yeah, very interesting. Is there anything on the travel side that you think we haven't touched on or anything that you want, you know, the audience to know about kind of what you're working on or your kind of what's what's coming in the near term in terms of one thing, yeah. One yeah. thing I would say it would be interesting yeah. for super world too i think it's i don't i don't know too much how super world works but the biggest problem for adoption of web3 today are wallets wallets are an incredible piece of technology they are they allow us to own digital assets this is incredible okay mm -hmm. at the same time we are still early with them and while it's not too hard to create one you know just download the app get your well, words, write them on a piece of paper. Okay, annoying, but okay, we can do it once, right? It's really hard to keep them safe to the point that I stop trying to onboard people in Web3 because I know that the next thing they're going to do is to lose everything most of the mm -hmm. times, especially if you get the value of that. The only way today to be safe in Web3 is to, to do this every day mm -hmm. and be careful and you're still not safe. You know, you can maybe go in a contract you know, accept a transaction, do a transaction, you can't really read what the transaction is and you lose all the money. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's dangerous. And the whole crypto space is working towards solutions and they're going to come. But today, this is the biggest hurdle. So how do we overcome this in the short term while this technology is being developed? Mm -hmm. I think it's custodial wallets. It's the Binance versus the Uniswap. We started with Bitcoin and you know, Bitcoin super decentralized, but to, to trade Bitcoin, you had to go on a centralized exchange. And still today, most of the time, you have to go on a centralized exchange. Mm -hmm. We are in that moment. We are in the Binance moment of, of uh, Web3. We need custodials, which can keep our assets safe, or most of our assets safe, because I would have used them, but most people would use them, so that we can get adoption. And then we get better wallets, which people can use without you know, we have having some kind of backup if something happens, uh, like social recovery, uh, abstraction, etc. So we are in that moment in which if today you want to build something in, in Web3 in trouble, you have to take a breath and say, okay, decentralization is great, but we have to compromise at least for a couple of years. So if you want to build something today, compromise on this. Most people are not ready for self-sovereignty. They don't want it. They don't understand it but they want to use these technologies. So we should offer them a way to do it. And I say this, two years ago, I would have never said that. I would have said, this is betrayal, right? <laughs> not your keys, not your coins, Yeah. right? If you give your assets to somebody else, they're going to have power over you. But then what happened, and it was very clear again with the NFT summer, like not your keys, not your coins, your keys, not your coins too, <laughs> because you're going to lose them. So. And yeah, I mean, this is the, what we should do now is serious companies will do some custody, maybe hybrid custody, in which, you know, they don't have all the power, 
but that's the way in the sh in the medium term, short medium term. In the long term, we can solve it. The question will be: Will people ever want to take control? Maybe not. If it's easy, yes. Maybe not. But you know, it, it's a question of it's not like one or zero. Like more, more and more people will be able to take care of their of their assets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to get mainstream adoption, you know, people definitely need some help to be able to feel more secure with those decisions um, of where they're storing their tokens and and to be able to more easily uh, retrieve uh, their accounts and to transact. So yeah, I agree with you. This has been a just an amazing discussion. I, I've I've learned so much about travel. I'm gonna close it with a couple of questions that are just kind of you know, want to learn more about kind of things that you're very curious about and, and and interested in. If there's anyone in the world, you know, alive or in history, in technology or travel or Web3, you know, in general, that you could take to lunch and meet, who would you who would you want to do that? And what would you want to learn from this person? Very hard question, to be honest, in technology, right? Or any or anything, any, or any, or any area. Yeah. I mean, you have so many different interests and passions and travel. You know, it could be yeah, you know, sit down with someone and, uh, and and be able to ask questions. Yeah, huh. I can't answer. I, have, I don't know. It's kind of my character. I realized I have no capability for for regret or nostalgia. Like uh, whatever happened, happened. So, and and I'm very curious. It's true, but I also. I like to kind of go ahead where maybe nobody has been before. That's where I have fun. Like mm -hmm. going back to the big, you know, the people who are, you know, the big people. I, I don't know. It never crossed my mind. So sorry for I'm not able to answer. Nobody comes to mind. Of course, I mean, I would love to sit down with you know, Steve Jobs or or many others, but this is not something which I'm thinking about as a dream because maybe because it's impossible. I don't know. And also because look, we have so much. Like if I told you uh, I wanted to stay to spend a lunch with Steve Jobs, yeah, I should have read everything he ever said or listened to everything he ever said, and mm -hmm. I didn't do it. So it means that there are things which I find more more in intriguing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So maybe that. You know, one area of travel I think in the metaverse is time travel. So being able to go to history and uh, be able to experience conversations with people. So. Yeah, in Kind of time travel, I would go to the Renaissance and see yeah. what was really like at the time, why there was all this energy, what made it possible, and beauty, why in in such an era, beauty was that important? Because mm -hmm. today, beauty is kind of associated with uh, pleasure in a way, like is the thing you look for when you can afford it, uh, or is frivolous, but beauty... And being Italian, I, I have this this kind of cultural understanding. Beauty is more important than it seems. It from beauty because there's this beauty in mathematics and this beauty is in programming and this beauty in many other things. So I would try to to go. I would try to to understand why beauty was that important at the time. Yeah, that's I have the feeling that there's something more than that. There's like. Um, there's something more than what we see in beauty. There's the order or there's a message in terms of what we should really aspire to. So yeah, the Renaissance would be a nice thing to go through. Yeah, you're right. 
there's a lot a lot more to it on a very intrinsic level the simplicity yeah. Uh, well, just the the mathematics of beauty are you know pretty clear. So we find something beautiful because there are some numbers. It, it's representable in, with some numbers, and why you know the Fibonacci sequence and etc. Yeah. So yeah, that that those, those kind of things. And, and there's a way I like to think. I like to take away all the colors and all the the fat around things and and see just the structure. That because that allows you then to see completely different domains and understand them too. Like, you know, music is the same. Music is mathematics. So, yeah, Renaissance. Yeah, I love that. Okay, and then one final question, and this is kind of related to uh, Superworld. We have virtual real estate all over the world, 100 meter by 100 meter plots of virtual real estate, and you can buy a plot and become a stakeholder in that location. And Do you still have uh, free spaces? Uh, yeah, there's 64 billion properties around the world. So any any yeah, like can you still mint it for the first time, or there's a secondary market already? There is a secondary market, but you can mint uh, many oh. properties for the first time. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah, have an interest in in any part of the world. You know, there's likely properties in that area that you will be able to find. So the question for you is, what's your favorite part of the world what's your if there's a location in the world that you would acquire virtual real estate in super world where would that be and why i i know the answer to this one so okay. i i would buy the places where i've been happy like uh, i would buy that little piece of land in bali where where i spend time uh i would buy a little piece of land in the gili islands close to bali i would buy something in venice because i'm from there uh, something in Poland because I lived there and I was very happy, etc. So, well, the the problem would be that I would spend all my money <laughs> because there's so many places where I've been happy. But yeah, I would like to own those places which are dear to me. So I I wouldn't go speculative about that, like you know, trying to get the good places. I'm sure they're gone already. So, but the places where I have been and uh, they have some meaning for me, I will buy those. Nice. Now that's. A very good answer. A lot of people want to. And yes, that will that will make it impossible to sell them. Also, so holding, holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have this connection to these yeah, places. Yeah, that would be hard to sell. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that a lot of people do that naturally as they acquire places that they just feel good about or have some kind of real just strong uh, personal connection to. So. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, I, I've really enjoyed this, Luca, and we're looking at a lot of travel opportunities in Superworld. And so looking forward to figuring out how we can collaborate with your community and very excited to yes. continue the conversation. How can people find you online? What's the best place to find you? Well, Twitter is a Luca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. And from there, you can follow everything. So you can go to Trips Community and, and all the rest. I think Twitter is the easiest one. Awesome. Or or now on Lens, but, you know, tripluca.lens. That's the new thing we're going to use in the future, I suppose. Or tripluca.eth, my Ethereum address. Or tripluca.btc, because I got that one. No, sorry. tripluca.sats. I bought this uh, Bitcoin domain the other day, but there's nothing there at the moment. Nice. Yeah. So that that you are definitely, um, you know, thinking about all of these profiles in a very strategic sense. I know. So you're gonna... it's our 
we started building our assets like our fathers and grandfathers were buying houses yeah right to have a piece of land we now because okay let me finish with this and this is balaji saying this very clearly internet is the new america so if you want to have something in your life you need, need to own something online and this this sounds like a line we we arranged before the call but it's not yeah you need to own digital assets and sometimes when i get airdrops of tokens i don't sell them because i say this is like getting a piece of manhattan before manhattan exists or maybe it's a piece of ohio i don't know we, we, we will see but this is ownership of land even tokens are lands in a way right so yeah it's very true i love that and you know i think as we think of travel and web3 i think the the things that you really talked about kind of open our eyes to what's possible and how the how the innovation uh is going to make this uh, the world a lot smaller in terms of travel and getting to know the world so very excited to for that and Really great to hear all your stories. Thanks again for being on the Building a Better World podcast and uh, looking forward to more conversations. Thanks, Luca. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of Building a Better World. For more, search Building a Better World in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Superworld, thanks for listening.